back to another episode of the Rage Podcast. My name is Cars Fox, and I'm your current host for this season. You are currently listening to Legacy Part 5. If you missed Legacy Part 1 through 4, I encourage you to listen to them in order, as all episodes from this series are interconnected. Legacy Part 5 specifically consists of my closing notes from each of my interviews with students. To begin, I wanted us all to introduce ourselves to you. So, my name is Karis Fox. I use she, her pronouns. I'm a recent graduate of the University of Denver. I studied political science and English. At DU, I was a member of the Student Accountability Board, a member of the Denver Promise Scholarship Program, a resident assistant, a member of Diversity Committee, specifically the Black Student Alliance, a community organizer with Righteous Anger Healing Resistance, and I'm the co-creator of the Remember X Project, mentored by Daniel Kim. I've also worked with IRISE, or the Interdisciplinary Research Institute for the Study of Inequality for the last three years. So my name is Taylor Lucero. I use she, her, her pronouns. I am a current senior at the University of Denver and I am a major in criminology with a minor in critical race and ethnic studies. And this year and for the past three years, I have been chair president for the Native Student Alliance. And in 2020, I was appointed the undergraduate student representative for the Native American Community Advisory Board, as well as being a member for the Sand Creek Memorial team on campus. I'm Tiana Larson. I use she, her pronouns. My major was English and my minor was Gregorius and Ethnic Studies. Um, And I graduated this last fall quarter, so fall 2021. And I was editor-in-chief of The Clarion. I was also involved um, with the honors program at DU. I'm Andrea Macias. I go by she, her, hers pronouns, or she, her, ella. Um, I graduated just this past year in 2021. The organizations I was a part of when I was on campus, um, I was on the executive board for Latina Student Alliance for two years as the intergroup liaison. I was and am a sister of Pi Lambda Chi Latina Sorority Incorporated, which is the first multicultural Greek organization at the University of Denver. My name is Brianna Aguilar. I use she, her, ella pronouns. So currently I'm studying um, higher education. I'm currently in my master's for that. Um, It's a two year program and I'm almost done with my first year here. Um, when I graduated my uh, an undergrad here at DU, um, I was in 2021. Um, I started DU back in 2017. I, at DU, I, I wasn't involved at first on campus. I think I told you like I was a commuter student for the first two years, so I didn't really get too much involved. But the last two years, I did get involved on campus. I want to say. Um, that's when I got involved with LSA or the Latina Student Alliance on campus. Um, ended up being president my last year at DU, which was back in 2020. Yeah, and um, also during that year, I was secretary to diversity committee, um, was on there. And I want to say honestly to One um, Gen U, which is like the first generation program here on campus, that program started in 2017 but I became more involved with it in 2018 and as well as I was treasurer to Sci Chi National Honor Society and then um, 
was that I was also just involved on campus here with uh, VIP and just many more student organizations here on campus. There's there's a lot that I feel like I've done here. <laughs> I'm Shannon Saul. I graduated from DU in March of 2020, right as COVID hit. Um, I double majored in international studies and gender and women's studies with a minor in Hebrew. And um, I'm one of the co-founders of Do Better. My name is Abdul. I uh, I'm a recent graduate from the University of Denver. I graduated with a degree in computer science and mathematics. Um, and I'm currently uh, a graduate student pursuing a master's in computer science. My pronouns are he, him, his. Um, currently, I am the vice president of the graduate student government, um, but I was also involved in multiple leadership positions in my undergraduate, specifically within uh, the undergraduate student government. Um, I was the Center for Diversity and Inclusive Excellence. Um, and the Senator for Natural Science and Mathematics, as well as other positions. One formal introduction that is missing is that of Grace Carson. During our interview, we launched straight into our conversation, but as this is part five, I am sure that you are already quite familiar with Grace and her work. One aspect of this podcast that I want to emphasize is that the brilliance on this campus is in no way limited to those I have had the honor to interview. There are four individuals who I want to give a shout out to that, due to their current schedules, were unable to interview with me, but have had an immense impact here at the University of Denver. They are Zamora Evans, Lake Nordstrom Winner, Maya Balmick, and Mary Kadozi, who are also the organizers of Righteous Anger Healing Resistance. Their work and their legacy continues to power students at the University of Denver, and I formally offer them a huge thank you for their labor. For this part of Legacy, I wanted the audios to be a bit more raw and less edited, so you will be able to hear the full length of words offered. When you hear this sound, it will signify a different speaker. And this sound represents when I have strung two different parts of my interview together to provide context. I want to offer a huge thank you to each of my guests for being a part of this series and for taking time out of their schedules to meet and record with me. I'm always inspired by these individuals and feel honored to know them. So without further ado, let's dive in. What would I tell little do you? <laughs> I think I would tell young, you know, 19 to 21 year old me that it's not all on me. Um, do what you can, you know, to make things better in your little circle. Um, you know, take care of one another, I think is the biggest thing you can do to actually, you know, create, you know, community of care and, and change. But I just remember feeling so much pressure, you know, like wanting to change all these things and feeling like it was all just me, you know, it came down to me and I had to keep working. It didn't matter if I had worked all night, like I had to keep going and write this extra, you know, paragraph of my blog or, um, you know, write this extra thing for this like petition, you know, and, um, and that if I gave myself a break, I the whole, it, would, it would be my fault and everything would be terrible. Uh, and I, I just put so much pressure on myself to, to try to change things. And, you know, I value, you know, little young Grace who, you know, wanted so badly to change things. Um, I value that part of my young self, but I wish I could have just, you know, told myself it's okay to take a break and take care of yourself um, because, the school doesn't one deserve that energy like the communities you're caring for do but your the school does not uh and you, you can't help anybody if you are you know at your wits end all the time um 
And, you know, sometimes caring for yourself is the most radical thing you can do. Um, and I wish I knew that back then, but I didn't. <laughs> but I know that now and I'm proud of myself for knowing that now. And so I think I would tell anybody who similarly, you know, like wants to change things with the university, you know, I think I would just tell them, you know, sometimes taking a step back and caring for yourself is the best thing that you can do. I have talked with some other people in preparation for this podcast too. And that was mm-hmm. a common theme of feeling like yeah. you're kind of hurting yourself because of how much time you're dedicating to these things. So hurting yourself yeah. by not getting enough sleep, not eating, mm-hmm. not drinking the mm-hmm. water, not doing just the basic necessities that your body needs to just yeah. be. So I agree. I want to just kind of echo what you had said about activism and wanting to make the community a better place shouldn't come at the expense of your own well-being mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I think that's something that would be so difficult um I know that was the case for me if I was spending like mm-hmm. one day I was working like 12 hours at my desk on the yeah. project like straight yeah. it's for bathroom breaks mm-hmm. And I was thinking about that and I was like, I never should have ever spent yeah. time in front of a screen working on something. Yeah. 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 And I like, you know, I, I relate to my young self and like wanting to make things better for my relatives and like honoring, you know, my ancestors' sacrifices to got me here. But also I had, I need to recognize and I try to recognize now, like my ancestors don't want me to be doing that. My ancestors don't want me to be like busting my ass for this white institution that doesn't give two fucks about me, you know, like they want me to rest and take care of myself before anything else. Um, and I don't mean like abandon all efforts to try to make things better. I don't think that that's right either, but I, I just mean like, I just mean that your ancestors, your family, your relatives, your friends, they want you to care for yourself too. Um, and that's important work. Yeah. I think like it's all about balance, right? Like yeah. <laughs> keeping up working on making the community a better place, but then also just making sure that the needs are being taken care of, your bodily needs. Yeah. Exactly. It's so hard to find a balance too. I don't at all think it's it an is. easy thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still I'm still learning. I, I talk about it with my therapist every week. Um that's why other people get to get a good therapist. <laughs> I agree. I agree. <laughs> Yeah, so I think one of the things that we've continued to mention over and over again is basically just educating the DU community specifically about no more pios. Um, That's one of the main issues that the Native Student Alliance has advocated for for years. Like I'm talking years, like I'm just not sure why it's being kept on campus. I mean, I don't find it, I don't, find it to be proud to celebrate assimilation of indigenous people like native you know women elderly and children were murdered and the fact that our founder was complicit in that people don't find anything wrong with that and i think that's very concerning and and the fact that like a lot of people will question like well why are you fighting for this why is it important and then we feel the need to educate people over and over again. It's just creating academic spaces, especially especially opportunities. Like I said, I believe that learning about the Sand Creek Massacre should be 
like a required course for students that do come to DU. I think it's very important to learn about that. And it's especially for the university first to acknowledge that it happened, we cannot avoid it. And it's like, it happened, but how are you going to engage with the nations that, you know, the land, the indigenous land that the university sits on, which is the Cheyenne and Arapaho and the Ute lands. And it's like, how are we going to bring them, at least tribal leaders, tribal elders, how are we gonna bring them in? Because they do deserve to have a seat at the table and they do deserve to be a part of these conversations that we're having about like putting up tribal flags, putting up a Sand Creek Memorial. And they are starting to become involved in those conversations, which is something that we've always been hoping for. But it's like, I'm so tired of hearing of like, yeah, we'll do this, we'll do that. But it's like, when we need it done, we're not gonna wait another 10 years for this because it's like, whether they like it or not, like more and more native students are gonna come to this university and they are also gonna probably have to sit through these questions of like, why hasn't this changed yet? So it's definitely just making the community more aware of the institution they are attending and how they too, you know, may or may not be complicit in the erasure of native and indigenous communities, considering that if the pioneer is something so important to them, it's like, well, how do you think that affects native and indigenous students, staff and faculty on campus? Most of the time when I would write an article, it would be because DU would put out a response or something would happen on campus. And then I would have to drop whatever plans I had for like the next couple of days so that I could write the story and get it out in a timely fashion because news was always concerned about like pumping things out as fast as you can. And I was always the person that had to do that because even though I, I really loved the staff that I had at the paper, I knew that I, if I didn't do it, it might not get covered at all. And I also knew that because I was editor in chief, that I was in the best position to take the fall if it was received poorly by alumni, which did happen sometimes, or if there were any consequences, like I was the person that needed to take them as their editor-in-chief. And so it meant that I would stop what I was doing for a couple of days, just write, interview people. And um, it was a pretty grueling process for me just because my fall quarter of junior year, I was pretty busy and pretty stressed. And it was really great that I was writing all these articles and that everyone really um, was enjoying them and was sharing them and everything like that. Um, that made me really happy, but at the same time, in some ways, I like felt like I was being rewarded for these unhealthy habits I was forming where I would stay up too late, not get enough sleep, skip meals, um, generally um, just have a worse quality of life, worse well-being, hurting myself to like get these articles done. And I think that's where a lot of my burnout came from. I guess kind of the only thing that I didn't talk about when I was talking about like burnout and exhaustion um, was also like emotionally the toll it takes on you. I think um, I mentioned this earlier that um, I'm really glad that like I've gained the language and the terminology to describe my experiences um, to relate to um, 
the communities I'm a part of and the worlds around me. Um, but it was really tiring to have to um, leverage these like um, intellectual responses um, to things that were happening at DU that were honestly pretty traumatic. And so I think, I think it left me with a lot of anger that I think I'm still struggling to figure out what to do with and that um, I really enjoyed my writing, but I think like having to suppress some of that rage like led to it manifesting in like other parts of my life. And um, yeah, I guess that like student activists are very often um, having to fight so hard for um, making DU um, a better place for like future students of color. Um, but I think it has really, it has really lasting effects on them even after they graduate. And I can attest to that, so. But I think that rage is like, it's kind of funny because that's the whole title of the podcast. And that's why um, Dr. Romero, who's the director of iRise named it that. Because he felt like, especially, it was initially guided towards um, professors of color, the kind of that people who are doing this work, be it community activists, be it academics, et cetera, et cetera, that you build up a lot of rage, kind of like, what do we do with that, right? And I'm still personally trying to also figure that out for me. And I think this whole podcast, I think in many ways, to be honest with you, uh, this, this series that I'm hoping to do anyway, is based on my own personal rage a little bit because I I would I was reflecting on my time you know we're both graduating well you graduated and I'm graduating after you mm -hmm. and then I was like and who's like where are our stories I wanted something where people it was stagnant that you could go to it and that future students could use our words especially since if we're being honest, a lot of the same issues have been repeated throughout the years, yeah. or have been fought for throughout the years. But because I felt like it's not enough, and this is what pissed me off, but it's not enough <laughs> to just say, thank you for your labor, your graduating trio. Mm -hmm. I wanted to show like the humanity and the rage behind it and the emotional and psychological toll that gets placed on students that no one talks about. And it's not as glamorous as it comes off. It's not like you work a set hours and you get paid for those hours and then you just live your life. No, there's a lot of threats that go into it. There's a lot of just emotional burnout that just doesn't get addressed. And so like when we're talking about like changing the university or even when we're talking about like correcting higher education in general, it has to be from like a holistic perspective of realizing that this doesn't just affect physically, but it also affects mental, it affects emotional. It affects outside of the university relationships with other people. So yeah, that's kind of just, uh, I guess my own wrap up just to say, I understand that rage yeah. a lot and yeah, yeah, that's something to reflect on. Yeah. Well, Kiana, 
this has been absolutely fantastic. <laughs> um, you always speak so eloquently and you always just have the best things in the world to say. So first off, I wanna thank you for taking an hour of your day genuinely to talk with me and to also um, kind of dive into some hard stuff. So I appreciate your vulnerability and I appreciate you being willing to even help me on this. Yeah, thank you for doing this and thinking of me. Absolutely. No, yeah, a couple of things. Um, First, going back to what you said about trauma, it is traumatic. And I always tell people, I, I actually, so I work at DCIS, as I was telling you, um, as a restorative justice education counselor. Um, and it's a six through 12 school. So I get middle schoolers and high schoolers, um, such a gem, those kids. Um, and a lot of them, so in my office, um, I have all of my stoles from graduation. I have my one genuine stole, my um, profiles of excellence stole, my the regular schmegular DU one that they give you um, in that graduation package. And then my PLC stole because she is beautiful and I decorated her very nicely. Um, a lot of kids will come in and they'll like point and they'll be like, Miss, what's that? Like, are those the things you get when you graduate from college? I was like, yes, those are the things you graduate, you get when you graduate from college. And they will ask me a lot of the times what it was like going to college because a lot of them have not thought about how far away from them that is. Like the seniors, you know, they're already there. They're like on the road to like going to whatever it is they want to do after high school graduation um, because college isn't the only option. Um, but, you know, when the little eighth graders and sixth graders sit there and they're like, what's, what's college like? Um, and a lot of them are students of color. I always tell them that, you know, going to college in general is a very unique experience. You learn a lot about yourself academically, socially, emotionally, culturally. Like there was a lot of things I didn't know about my own culture and my own race and ethnicity until I went to college. Um, and mostly because my parents never had the ability to show me those things. Like there's a lot that you learn about yourself when you go to college, regardless of where you go. And then when the older students ask me, you know, what it, what it was like to go to DU, I tell them that DU itself is not for the faint of heart, especially for a person of color. And I'm very open and honest with them about everything. There's no reason to lie to them. We can't keep glorifying all these institutions and all these colleges saying, oh, you all should go here. You should go to my alma mater and all these things um, without reflecting on all the trauma that they have caused in communities and individuals. Um, so I tell them going to DU is not for the faint of heart. And it sucks like that you have to go in with the expectation that you're going to be treated as less than than your white counterparts. Um, and that you are gonna have to work 10 times harder than your white counterparts. A lot of the times in my history classes, I was one of maybe like two women. And then like most of the time, the only person of color. Um, so you have to pave your own way through these institutions. Um, so find a community that cares about you. Um, like I joined a sorority, I don't tell everybody that um, they have to join a sorority like you just you find what works for you um, whether that's Greek life whether that's student affinity groups whether that's a sports team like as long as you find a community that will help carry you to the end and second it's okay 
to say that you can't do something. A lot of the times I do, I struggled really bad with my mental health. Not a lot of people know that side of me because I was always very much on the go, like doing a lot of things at once. Um, I never really talked about my mental health struggles with a lot of people and the trauma that came from just going to a PWI. Like my last quarter at DU, I had tried to avoid this professor with my whole heart and soul and avoid taking another class from her because the first time I took her class when I was a freshman and it was my first quarter at DU, um, she had asked for the perspective of slavery from a person of color. And I was the only person of color in the room, but I, as well as all the other students looked around to know who the one that was gonna answer the question was because it was not gonna be me and I was not gonna feed into that. Um, and she talked down to me several times as a freshman. So I was like, you know what? I'm not gonna take her class. Lo and behold, the only class I could take for the requirement that I had left was her class. And it was an immigration in modern American class or modern immigration, something like that. And she had, sent me several emails about some assignments and things like that and one time she had added my advisor who was Dr. Escobedo um, and the chair of the department at the time to go over those assignments as well and I think that she had forgotten to remove the chair of the department for one of her messages um, where she basically called me incompetent um, and stupid <laughs> and um, that was like I literally sat there and I just, I cried. I didn't know what else to do. Like this lady did not like me. And it was in this class, it had gotten much worse because I think we were both avoiding each other from freshman year and we were kind of stuck together and she would degrade me in front of the class um, over Zoom. And so nobody knows the actual physical, mental and emotional toll that going to PWI as a woman, as a woman of color, as a person of color, um as literally any other that is not the heterosexual straight white male nobody understands the trauma that comes with that and I had already experienced so much trauma coming from that going into this project and then I continued to experience more after the project um I'm not I never tell students don't go to DU I don't say that because there's a lot of things that I have gained from going to DU and a lot of things that I have experienced and will cherish forever from going to DU. But I just, I always like to give them a warning because you are walking into an unfamiliar territory and it will, there's a strong chance it will just push you down several times. And I wish I had a better warning going into DU. Um, the second thing, is I'm also very appreciative, and I know that this is going to sound very different than the last thing I just said, um, of how open, honest, and supportive people have been when I did this project. Um, I did not think it was going to go as far as it did. I really thought it was going to give that one presentation to the provost of resume and that that would be the end of it, um, and that it was not. <laughs> that was not the experience. Um, so I do want to say thank you, you know, that really pushed me in a different direction. And that was an experience. Um, it's something that I cherish and will keep and cherish forever. Um, and so I definitely am always open to sharing that with people. I'm just, you know, I always ask for credit one, because we should always credit where we get our information from. Um, but two, because 
that's how we build up our communities by elevating voices of color. Um, but yeah, I've just, I've been so appreciative of the support that I got from my community for this project and um, the still many people that reach out to me for this project. Um, I didn't think it would last one month after I did it, let alone until when I was an alumni. And um, it's been great. It, it definitely is something that will stay with me um, for the long haul. And it planned out my senior thesis when I did my thesis. Um, it helped me when I was getting my job. So yeah, that's one of the biggest things. I think what really sustains me when fighting for all this, when, you know, especially being a student, you know, I'm still trying to figure out my own stuff. I think what really sustains me in being student leadership is just the community and knowing that, like, hopefully things will change. I think it's the hope, you know, and I, I definitely think it's just because the sense of community you build, you meet people that, you know, you wouldn't have met before. If I'm being honest, like I've met a lot of my closest friends in student leader through through student leadership, you know, because you find that sense of community. And it sounds like it, it sucks, but it's like a lot of it is trauma bonding. If I'm being real, like it is a lot of trauma bonding. And like that's really how a lot of community building happens here on campus. I don't know if you want like could speak on this, but really like even how we met, you're like, yeah, this campus is something else. You're like, yeah, I can't wait. It's funny because like I feel like we when we first started talking, it was like, yeah, this campus, huh? And it's like, do you like this campus? Mm, like it was like, like you know, like we we always talk about we're almost out this campus, we're almost out of here, we're almost done. I felt like when we used to first meet up, it was like, oh, like we're almost out of here. Like it's like you don't really hear anyone say oh my gosh I'm gonna miss being here like at least nah no anyone from like you know a, a BIPOC background here on campus <laughs> I have never ran across someone who's like yeah I miss my time at DU no I've I have not to this day have not met anyone that has been like that but a lot of my friends though how I meet them is literally just talking about the shit this university has done to us and not just even us, but like just in general, what this university has done to like really ignore BIPOC students' needs, you know, and their pain and the harm that they have caused. It, it was really that, like trauma bonding. But like at the same time, I've met people that I'm like, I am gonna know them for like I'm gonna talk to them after this. You know, like it's not just a you know, a college thing where it's like, all right, we made it through this together, like, goodbye. Um, I think it is a lot of um, community building because you meet people that are like, you know, same driven passion as you and like, not even that, but just recognize the stuff that's going on, like that's bigger outside of, you know, little world problem things, you know, or small, like things. And I really want to say, yeah, like, what really sustained me was the community. I loved getting to get with people. I loved being able to like, not only like communicate with others, but like just engage. Like sometimes, you know, not everything was always like, a, I want to say like a fight. We didn't always throw like protests, you know, or like um, plan one. It was never just always planning a protest or planning like, you know, a call to action. It was some, It was really fun when we had those good moments of just like getting together and getting to be ourselves, literally getting to be ourselves in an authentic way because I know like um, classes here on campus, 
have not been welcoming of that, have never been like, oh yeah, be your true identity self. You know, like, again, I come from like a, a low income, first generation, like Latina background. And when I get into class, you know, it's a lot of students that don't have those backgrounds at all, but they're familiar with each other's backgrounds. You know, like I had girls talking about how, you know, they got to go skiing every weekend, like in Aspen. And like, when they asked me, like, how come you haven't gone skiing? You lived in Colorado for a long time. I'm like, girl, I do not have $200, $500 to just spend every weekend. You know what I mean? And it was like, just things like that, that you're like, it's so disconnecting. And it also feels very like imposter syndrome where I was like, like, who am I in this class? Like, do I really deserve to be here? You know? And like, sometimes it was scary. Like, I did not want to raise my hand to answer a question in class. Cause I was like, yo, if I get it wrong, everyone's going to look at me and think I'm, I'm dumb. Like, how did I get here? You know, a part of me was like, nah, I got to prove that I'm the smart one. Like I'm intelligent enough to be here. And that's the thing we are, you know, it's like, first of all, the system was never built for us. Um, it's like, you know, students that come from BIPOC backgrounds, you know, or any other underrepresented, underrepresented identities here. But it's like, this system was really built for, you know, white cis males, if anything, like, um, and it's like that system hasn't changed like the education you know two of like the oldest institutions in the united states is actually the catholic church and the education system they've never gone through a reform or a change within those institutions and i think that's so scary like that's so scary to think about how yeah education has not gone through a major i guess um, you know, restructuring or evaluation of things like, and it's so like, it's so sad, like, to know that, that, you know, like, and that's why there's more of these, you know, this fight and push from us that like, hey, no, this is not okay, because, you know, it's like, we're in those classrooms, but even then, it's like, those classrooms, like, they're not like, oh, like, welcoming, they're not like, even set up for us, even then, you know, it's like, first of all, when you get to campus, DU requires every student to have a laptop, which first of all, you know, like a lot of low-income students can't even afford that. Like, you know, like I remember when I, like I had to apply to, to a scholarship to get my first uh, MacBook. <laughs> like, I remember I was like, yo, this, like, it's almost a grand, you know, or like even just other laptops, 500 minimum, you know, like technology is, you know, expensive. And then you got to think about Wi-Fi, you know, I think this pandemic really exposed those, you know, those um, uh, gaps in our education system and every system, first of all, healthcare, all that. But I think the pandemic really exposed, you know, again, what student leaders have been fighting and saying for the longest time finally got exposed right in front of everyone's faces. What ways do you think you could have been better supported then? Mm. Or what ways do you think we can better support this can be a kind of broad question. It can go straight into just students in general or just student activists specifically or people fighting against these causes. How can we better support them going forward in higher education specifically? That's a great question. I think there's a few different things. Mm -hmm. I think one, it would be helpful if people paid attention before it was like so dire mm -hmm. um, because like if I had been able to get a response to an email or if more people had come to our events or showed up to our meetings before that, we might have been able to gain traction in a way that wasn't like so dire and immediate and like so much in a short period of time. Um, I think that's on administration and that's also on students to get involved. I also think that like 
once this was a big thing, like we had weekly meetings um, for like our student organization that worked on these issues, and we probably got five to ten people showing up weekly. And then once this happened, we our weekly meeting one week was making posters for the protest, and suddenly mm -hmm. we had like a hundred people show up. So yeah. I definitely think it's about showing up before it's like popular to show up, and mm -hmm. it's about administration like paying attention before they're absolutely forced to. Um, mm -hmm. But then also it's just like it's easy to ask someone what they need like if you see student yes. activists working on things like ask what they need because like they'll be able to tell you and it might not be what you expect like maybe they could use someone to like write some emails or like mm -hmm. maybe they could use someone to run some errands for them like I think that like it's very easy to just ask what someone needs yeah or even like just basic like access to snacks totally <laughs> access to some coffee yes, absolutely <laughs> food do you have anything else that you want to share about? Yeah, I guess I'll end on a hopeful note. I think Sounds that um, like doing the student activism really like made me want to do this long term. Mm -hmm. um, and I know that like one of my majors was gender and women's studies, and we had regular conversations about like how are any of us going to actually get a job in this. Mm -hmm. um, and like seeing how effective this was, I was able to like speak to my experience in organizing and end up getting a job that I love that's mm -hmm. also an organizing position where like I'm paid decently well they treat me great and now I'm applying to law schools and I think that like there was a light at the tunnel end of the tunnel for me and I feel like while I'm still doing like emotional labor and stuff at least now I'm getting paid for it um and like yeah and I think that like there is really an opportunity for this to be like fulfilling work mm -hmm. even if when you're a student activist like it can seem like really difficult and tiring and like there might not be a great ending to it like I do think that like outside of the small bubble that is university like there is opportunities awesome awesome how has oh I meant to ask you that actually um let's be on so as you like do your work now and you're preparing for law school and stuff what lessons what I don't know mottos where are you carrying mantras where are you carrying with you throughout the years to kind of help you sustain, sustain you in the fight. Yeah, I think... Especially through law school. Totally. I think a few things. One is, like, my voice is important and can have an impact. Like, that was something that, like, I don't really think I felt before this. Yeah. Um, but, like, something that I truly believe now. I think um, I, like, trust my instincts to go out on a limb now and take risks because, like, creating the account the first time when it didn't take off and then deciding to do it again and, like, not knowing what kind of response I would get and that I would get threats, like, that was a risk. But mm -hmm. I think that ultimately, to me, it was a risk worth taking. Yeah. Um, and I think also, like, not to take people in authority too seriously. Yeah. Like, I learned from meeting with the chancellor and the administration, they're great people, a lot of them had great intentions, but they had no idea what the heck they were doing yeah. when it came to gender-based violence. And so, like, trusting that I have expertise, and, like, if a law school says no to my application, or if someone in a position of power is like, you suck, I don't necessarily have to take that to heart. Like, I know yeah. what I know. That's very real. Same. Mm -hmm. Knowing yourself is, like, a huge part of that. Mm -hmm. And, like, knowing, like, your power, and never doubting totally. that totally carries you. Mm -hmm. I think one thing I'd, I'd really do like to express is obviously a lot of um, students who are also activists and have also been, you know, uh, working alongside me and been part of the whole process. Uh, I think obviously there's, it is, it is a great burden to us as students um, and it does take up a lot of our time. I would never say I regret any of it and I would never say any of it is a waste of time at the end of the day. Um, even though like, you know, we, we always do speak about how 
uh, like I tried to do all of this and got so much pushback and it felt like a waste. At the end of the day, I think it's important to keep going because we're not get, like I, I've graduated, but people um, after me are going to keep going. Right. Um, and I think it's important to just keep the message going because uh, that's what they're trying to do. Right. They're trying to stall us because once we graduate, our message is going to die down. But I think what's important is if you're passionate about something, you can't let it go. Right. Um, we can't all be, you know, university students who are in an inclusive environment if the inclusive environment isn't there. Right. We all we all want to be comfortable. Um, at the end of the day, not I don't have to speak up for issues that are just my own. Um, if my fellow peers aren't uh, comfortable, then we, we all need to do something about that, right? Not just a student activist, right? At the end of the day, we're all students um, and we all need to look out for each other. And I think it's important to, to kind of understand that, that like, A, our work isn't in vain. Um, I think that was, that was a big, big thing for me that, a lot of the time it did feel like we're just working and nothing was happening, but it, stuff is happening. It is slow, but I think even if, uh, even if you're not seeing the rewards of it, people will carry on. People will keep going. Um, the influence is there. And you learn, like I learned a lot of leadership skills. I was very, very introverted and very shy and I still am. Um, but I think me forcing myself to be in those positions um, helped me as well just grow as a person um on top of the work I did right like if, if I eliminate everything that I did I personally work for myself a lot and that's one of the most important parts of being in school right I learned a lot about my degree but you know I, I need to learn about myself and I need to improve myself as well right and so I think the message there is to not you know not fret about what you're doing and think about the future at the end of the day your work is going to keep keep going you know so yeah that was beautiful <laughs> you know I'm, I'm a little i'm a little bit of an inspiration myself you know <laughs> <laughs> i was already thinking i was like that feels like a good way to close it with yeah, the dramatic yeah. music building up <laughs> yeah no I, like because that's the thing like now especially because i've graduated and yeah. i've like i guess not been as involved on campus i i like to see that like stuff is still going on you know like it, I can't think of it as a waste. So, yeah, it was good times, really. Yeah, good no, I agree. Thank you for listening to Legacy. This was a project that is very dear to my heart and took quite a lot of time to produce. I hope that through this series, the current gaps of inclusion, equity, and diversity have been realized or further iterated. There is still work to be done, and I hope that, to those who listen to this series, that it has empowered you to be further advocates for change. While some of us have left DU, the spirit of our work remains. May we all work towards creating an environment at DU where all community members are empowered, safe, and thriving. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Rage Podcast. The Rage Podcast is a product of the Interdisciplinary Research Institute for the Study of Inequality, or IRISE. To learn more about what we do, please visit our website at irise.du.edu. To ensure that we can continue to bring you quality content, please subscribe or follow, like, and share on the platform that you're listening to us on. For Rage opportunities and updates, please follow our social media pages. 
You can find us at The Rage Podcast, all one word, on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Once again, you've been listening to the Legacy Series and The Rage Podcast. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time.